0: last week uh, we began a fresh collection of sermons and uh, these sermons uh, are designed to help us Grow in our faith. We, we title this collection Roots because we're looking at the theology um, That allows our faith to have some roots to be rooted in something beyond just emotion or beyond an experience But be rooted in the truth of who God is and the theology of him and and we're using something called the Nicene Creed uh, To kind of help us have a container and a systematic way of kind of talking about some of the core beliefs now this Nicene Creed it's not an exhaustive list of everything as followers of Jesus that we believe but it is a great starting point and central core truths that we do believe. And so uh, we want to say this Nicene Creed together uh, each Sunday. And I've been challenging you last week to say it every day. And I don't know if you have or haven't. Uh, but but I want to challenge you to keep saying this Nicene Creed over and over again, week after week, day after day, uh, because it'll kind of get into our hearts and we want it to settle into the soil of our spirits and hearts. Now now the Nicene Creed was written in the early uh, 300 AD and so even when translated into English it's got some old language in it. It this this Nicene Creed predates any denomination. It it it's before any um, sect of religion really began. It was just the early church. And uh, so they came together, some of the early church fathers, and said, here are the central things that we believe as followers of Jesus. And so uh, we want to join with the chorus, and we want to say this together. It's going to be on on your screen there. I'm going to read it, and I want you to read it out loud with me, just loud enough so that you can hear it, and maybe the person in the room can hear it next to you. Let's read the Nicene Creed together. It says this, we believe in one God, And the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. This morning, I want to bring a message entitled, Nicknames. Nicknames. Now, growing up, I had, uh, I had several nicknames. Uh, in, uh, in elementary school, my friends called me Grasshopper. Uh, because I had long legs, and it was kind of, I don't know why. That's just what they called me. Kids can be mean. It's true. Uh, I don't go by the name, nickname Grasshopper anymore, so if you try to call me that, you might get something, well, thrown at your head. I don't, I don't know, uh, but I, it was one of my nicknames. My parents gave me a nickname. I was called Sunshine that's right. I was my parents sunshine. I was their only son for a while and they my mom would sing to me You are my sunshine my only sunshine And uh, then my brothers came along years later and ruined the whole thing. So thanks guys for that Uh, But we all probably have had nicknames in our lives. You probably had some growing up I definitely had some and nicknames can reference uh, events, uh, maybe a shared experience with somebody. You got a nickname because of something that happened with a group of friends and you never got to live that down. Maybe it's a character trait, kind of who you are, or maybe even a little bit of your namesake where they shorten your name uh, and they, they kind of shr- shrink down your name to something more of a, a nickname rather than a real name. Now listen, I, I, I know we're talking about God today and, and I don't want to downplay in any way Or make light of the magnitude of our God. I'm not trying to, uh, by using this title, I'm not trying to trivialize the name of God. But I want us to examine together perhaps some of the nicknames that we have for God. Some of you, whether you realize it or not, probably have certain things that you think about when it comes to who God is. And, and we want to look at the portion of the creed today that says, we believe in God the Father, the Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, all that is seen and all that is unseen. Here's what I know to be true, that for many of us, we have lived our lives with maybe a misconception of God. This is true of even people who claim and and are insincere followers of Jesus. We have a different view or a faulty conception of who God is. And of course, we would never use these nicknames, but perhaps uh, we could nickname God this if we were really looking at our heart of hearts and our belief system. You might look at God as God the killjoy because you kind of view God as somebody that's just up there to squash your fun. He's all rules and regulations. If you don't behave you're right, you're going to get smashed like a bug. He is just a killjoy that sucks the fun out of life. And that would be maybe your, your thought. Maybe you have a, a nickname for God that if you were honest and you looked, you could, you could give God the nickname the cosmic dictator because he's just up in the cosmos ready to take charge and he puts this here and he controls this and he manipulates this and he does whatever he wants whenever he wants and that's all that there is to it he's just some cosmic cosmic dictator some of you you think god has a last name and so you've nicknamed god god the water stopper structure or or. some of you will get that later and if you don't get it you might be oversaved. it's really all right, text your friend who's still cursing a lot. He'll explain what I, what I mean. Some of you, you have, you have this idea of God that God just doesn't exist. He's the non-existent God. And maybe you're here and you're a bit of a skeptic, and you're just kind of exploring and checking out faith and seeing what this Christian thing is all about. I just want to say you're welcome here, and I'm really glad that you're tuning in today. Um, if you're a skeptic, maybe somebody that's searching, you might even call yourself an atheist. Um, I want you to know you're welcome here. You don't have to believe everything that we believe to have a sense of belonging here. But I want to give you a next step today. Uh, There's a a man by the name of Mark Clark. He's a pastor up in Canada. And uh, for most of his life, he lived as an atheist. And then he started to explore what the evidence really says. And he he wrote a book called The Problem of God. And in this, he tackles this uh, really struggle of the problem of the existence of God. And he looks at it from a scientific, philosophical, educated perspective. And he comes to the conclusion that the best uh, answer to the existence of God is actually found in in Christianity and that he does indeed exist. And so I I want to encourage you, if you're here and you're a bit of a skeptic, maybe you're kind of not sure if God exists, uh, maybe that's your view of God. I want to challenge you to, to Google search uh, after today's service, uh, Mark Clark, the problem of God. And uh, I want you to, to lead and, and listen and, and just begin to explore on your own and let him help you journey in that. Some of you, you might have had an opinion of God that God is the, the God that's too busy. He's too busy dealing with things in the cosmos. He's too busy dealing with starving children in Africa. He, he's too busy dealing with a pandemic in China. He's too busy dealing with, with people in Europe. And he doesn't have time for you. And surely he can't care about your life because who are you? You're just some peon, some nobody from Fort Scott, Kansas, wherever that is. Surely God has other things to do, and he's just busy all the time. And, and maybe you have a view of God in that way because that's how your your earthly father was maybe he was just too busy for you never could take the time never could 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 spend time with you and all you longed for was your dad to spend some one-on-one time with you but he was always too too busy and so you think god is just too too busy maybe you think God is the god of the vending machine right you, you put in the right amount of money uh, you do the right little combo of behaviors and all of a sudden comes out whatever it is that suits your your taste buds today whatever religion you need it to be God can be that he's just the vending machine God who's there to give you what you want when you want it you can believe what you want do what you want as long as you live the right way do the right thing say the right creed then all of a sudden you'll get whatever you want and your life will always be be happy. That could be your view of God. Or maybe even this one. Maybe you think of God as God the rabbit foot God. Right? He's just your lucky charm, the little cross that you rub when you get into trouble, uh, that you live your life however you want. You don't really think about God, but the minute crisis hits, oh, I better go to church. I better start praying. Like I better try something new because, man, if I don't do this, then, then, then I'm not going to get lucky. And you just look at God as some lucky charm trinket that you keep with you to help you in those moments when you need it. You might be sitting there, Pastor, what does it matter? I mean, what does it really matter how I view God. What does it matter if I have a nickname for God or not? He's just God. Can't we just leave it at that? Well, here's, here's why I think it matters. Here's why it matters to you and why it matters to me, whether you're a believer or a non-believer. Because how you view God determines the kind of relationship you will have with Him. How you view God will determine the kind of relationship that you have with Him. And we want to, we believe in God Almighty, the Father, the Creator of God, all things. And and I want to dive and look at who God is today. Now, uh, I I want to read a scripture In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Out of the message paraphrase, it says this. It says, The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, may the extravagant love of God and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with All of you. Now, one of the confusing things for many people when you start to follow Jesus and explore is uh, something that we call the Trinity, or we believe that God is a triune God. He is God, three parts, but one being, three roles, but one Godhead. And it's a, a triune Godhead. It's, it's what we believe. It's the theology and the faith that, that we hold to. And, and it's kind of hard to describe and explain, but all through Scripture, you see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit mentioned individually, but also in unison as one God. And I know when you first start following Jesus, that can be crazy or confusing at best because people are praying and they're praying to God and then they pray to Jesus and they talk about the Holy Spirit, but then they talk about God and they use those words like interchangeable. Like It's just like, which piece do I want to plug in today? What name do I want to call God today? Well, well Jesus isn't a nickname for God. He is God. The Holy Spirit isn't a nickname for God. He, he is God. God the Father isn't a nickname. He is the Father. He is three in one. and one. And the best illustrations I've, I, I, I've really seen in my life uh, to help articulate this and help us to kind of, in some really small way, grasp this is uh, first the egg, right? You have the eggshell, you have egg white, and you have yolk. All three are individual. They all have different components and specific uses for them, um, but they are the same. And when you call something an egg, my question to you would be, who are you, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the yolk? Are you talking about the egg whites? Are you talking about the shell? Or are you just talking about the whole thing? And a lot of times when we say God, what we're talking about is the whole thing. We're talking about the whole thing, all of it. But sometimes we want to get specific and we want to talk about the unique role that God the Father has or God the Son, Jesus has, or God the Holy Spirit has. And and you can think of it like this, that God the Father, he's the one that loves you. God the Son is the one who saves you. And God the Holy Spirit is the one who is with you. Those are their primary roles. The Father loves you, the Son saves you, and the Spirit is with you. Now today, I want to hone in on this idea that God is our Father. I want to talk about God the Father today, the Creator, the Almighty, and I want to explore kind of these three characteristics or even ways he is referenced all throughout Scripture and throughout history uh, to help us understand that particular part of the Godhead, the, the Trinity, this God the Father, Creator Almighty. And, and the first word I want to use to kind of help us track today is this word, Creator. Right there in the chat box, I want you to light it up. Creator, the God the Creator, God the Creator, God, God the Creator. Uh, the Nicene Creed articulates it like this, that we believe in God uh, the Father, Almighty Creator of everything. In other words, they go ahead and flex, and they say, of all that is seen and that's unseen, if you can see it, God was the originator of it. If you can't see it, he originated that too. Like the cosmos and the stars and the galaxy, he created everything that is seen and that is unseen. We believe that God is a creator. Now, that doesn't mean that science doesn't exist or science doesn't matter. Quite, quite the contrary. I happen to believe that science helps us understand God even better, actually. I don't think that they're at odds. I think that you have to realize I believe that God created Science. What we see and what we understand and the philosophy and the philosoph- uh, philosophical approach and the scientific approach and the, 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 the metaphysical world. I, the physics of it all. I think God is the originator of, of all of those things. In, in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1, the, the very beginning of all of this, it says this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, The earth was formless, it was empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. So in the beginning, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, they were all together. The Spirit was hovering over the deep places, and then God said, let there be. And it began to be. In other words, in the very beginning, God decided to hang the stars into their proper place. He put the sun and the moon and all of those things, he put them where they belong. I don't know if you thought about this, but the sun is the brightest of stars that that we know of. The sun is some 92 million miles away from you and I right now. It's so 92 million miles. But, but I want you to think it on a clear day like it is today here in southeast Kansas. When you go outside, you can still feel the warmth of that one star 92 million miles away. You can feel it on your face. You can feel it warming your body and cooking inside of your car if it's sitting outside. Like you can feel it 92 million miles away. Do you know that the sun isn't even the biggest star in our galaxy? There's one 700 times bigger that we've discovered and it's called Betelgeuse. 700 times larger than the sun but the sun is 92 million miles away and you can still feel the twinkle and, the, and, the, and the, little, the little warmth of it. I just think that that's one of God's ways of saying, listen, I'm the creator. I hung the sun where it needs to be, this star in the sky, and it may feel million miles away, but it's there to remind you that I am always close and can be felt. I don't care how far away you feel from God. I'm telling you right here, right now, if you will pause, Pause and ask him. He will make his presence, the warmth of his presence felt in your heart and home right now. Why? Because we serve the creator who wants to draw close. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God or is God. And then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What's it talking about? It's saying that Jesus was present in the beginning, and so we know that Jesus was a part of it all. It's, it's that whole triune God component, but there is God, the Creator. In, in John 17, verse 24, I, I don't want you to miss this. In John 17, 24, it says this. Jesus is praying, and he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Before the creation of the world, God the Father loved Jesus. And Jesus wanted his disciples. He wanted you and me to experience that same love. So I believe that God is the creator. We believe that God is the creator. What does that mean? That means that your life was created for a purpose and you are precious. I believe that that every unborn life, it matters to God Almighty. As followers of Jesus, we really do care about humanity, about life, unborn and born. Why? Because it is made in the image of God. Birth, life really does begin. At conception. But that means every human life matters. Every every drug dealer, they matter to God. Every refugee and immigrant, they matter to God. Every infant matters to God. Whether we would say they have special needs or they don't have, or they're normal, quote, unquote. Every human being matters and is precious to God. That's why we love one another when we stay away during this time. It's not because we're living in fear, it's because we're living out our love for other people helping them stay healthy. And Holy Ephesians 2 says that you are God's handiwork and masterpiece woven and created in his image to do good works. Philippians 1.16 says that God who began a good work in you, he's the creator. He created a good work inside of you that he will complete it. Here's the good news, friends, and here's why it matters that we believe God is the creator because this, if God is the creator, then he can recreate anything. He can recreate your life that you've turned into a mess. He can recreate the marriage that's falling apart. He can recreate your financial outlook and provide new things again. He can recreate your brokenness, your bitterness, your offense, your, your, your hurt, your sickness, your ailments. God is the creator, and he can recreate Anything that's good news. Somebody ought to put it in the chat that God can recreate me God can recreate me That's why death isn't the end because when our bodies here on earth cease to exist We can live with God eternally. He can recreate us new again If God is the creator then he can recreate anything that we've made a mess. He can restore. He can redeem He can put back together Again, we believe that God is the creator number two We believe that God is the God who is almighty. Somebody put a strong arm emoji in the chat room right now. God is almighty. In Genesis chapter 17, God reveals himself to a man named Abram as God the almighty. Uh, This is the first time God has ever revealed himself in this way. And we see it in Genesis chapter 17, starting in verse 1. This This is what scripture says says, when Abram was 99 years old. Somebody say that's old. That's really 99. He was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your number. And I love how verse three starts. It says, and Abram fell face down before God. Why? Because God is Almighty. He's not some trivial being that you can treat however you want. God was revealing himself to Abram as God Almighty, all-powerful. Now, there in the Hebrew language, which the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, there are 11 different names for God, 11 different ways that God reveals himself, characteristics, if you will. And one of them is right here. In our English word, it's translated Almighty. But in the Hebrew, it's the word Shaddai, Shaddai. And in and, and the way that you would say it is El Shaddai. In other words, God, the Almighty. And this word Almighty actually is better translated all power. He is God with all power. He is Almighty, uh, he has the power to do what he said he would do. When I was in high school, uh, my senior year, I got to play baseball. And uh, uh, we were playing baseball, and we had this assistant coach who uh, was a little bit of— he was an older gentleman, kind of a rough around the edges, if you mean, kind of said whatever he wanted to say, and uh, didn't mince words at all. And uh, he, he, would all, he had this phrase, anytime uh, we were trash-talking with each other, which— high schoolers. Well, let's be honest, all men do. Uh, we were, we were t- trash talking back and forth. He had this phrase that he would say, and he would say, sounds like somebody's mouth is writing a check. Their body can't cash. And we would all check and laugh and uh, think about how sometimes we, we brag or we say, well, we can do this and I can do this and I can do that, but we may not really have the power to back it up. You ever made a promise to somebody that you actually didn't have the authority or the power to keep? and you had to break that promise? Here's the good news for you and me, is that God has the power to keep his promises to you. This is why it's important that we believe that God is God Almighty. Because if he is indeed God Almighty, that means that God has the power, the ability, the strength, the the resources to keep his promises to us to you. It doesn't matter if you've kept your promise to him. That doesn't matter. His power is enough to still keep his promise to you. Somebody put in the chat box right now that God is the promise keeper. He's the way maker, the miracle worker. He is El Shaddai, the almighty God. I love this because when God comes to Abram, this is not the first time God comes and makes this promise to Abram. It's a, a, a repeat promise. God was reiterating his promise. See, two chapters earlier, God came to him and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make your name great. I'm going to give you a lot of descendants and a lot of kids. But what you need to know about Abram is that he was not only advanced in years, but up to this point, his wife could not have children. His wife, Sarai, whose name would eventually be changed to Sarah, could not have children. They tried and tried and tried, but there were no, no children. And the promise was about having many children, many descendants. And here he is, 99 years old. And what you need to know in Genesis 17 is by this point, Abram had already tried to do it in his own strength. Things weren't working out, and his wife was like, well, I got to get this guy off my back. Why don't he go ahead and make love to my servant girl? And maybe if he has a son with her, then this whole thing, we can move on with our lives. And so for whatever reason, Abram says, hey, this sounds like a great idea. Let's try it. Not such a great idea. They have this child. It's not the promise. And God says, that's not how I want to fulfill my promise to you. I told you I could do it. And so he is coming, even though Abram made a mess of the plan. Abram thought he had derailed the promises of God. He had blown it. And maybe you feel like Abram, you've blown it. You've missed it. You don't feel like you've, you can measure up or that you're worthy of God keeping his promise. God has sent me to tell you today through your screen right now that God is God Almighty. He is the promise keeper. He will keep his promises even when you break yours to him maybe in, a, in the midst of, uh, of feeling down or low, you said, God, I'll never do that again. I'll never lash out in anger to my kids again. I'll, I'll never swing again. I'll never curse again. I'll never look at that again. I'll never betray them again. God, I'll never miss another Sunday. If you'll just let the Chiefs win, I promise I'll never miss another Sunday. You've made promises that you've probably broken, but friends, God is faithful to keep his promise to you. So God is God the Almighty which tells me that God has the power to keep his promises to you even when you don't keep your promises to him. That's good news. And it's important that you and I settle in our hearts that God is God the Almighty because it helps us know that he's got the power to to back up whatever it is that he promised you and he promised me. So God is the creator, which means he can restore and recreate anything even when we make it a big mess. God is the Almighty, which means that he has the power to keep his promise no matter if we are unfaithful to keep our promises. But then there's the third component that the creed references that's important for you and me, and it is God is the Father. He is your heavenly Father. You see, all through Scripture, the very first way that we see God in the narrative of Scripture is that God is the Creator. And then for generations, he became known as the God that's almighty. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God who keeps his promises. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he introduces a new name for God, a new, a new nickname, if you will, for God, a new way for you to view and see and understand who God is. And he says that he is God, your father. And it was revolutionary. It flipped everything around It messed with their minds because they, had, they knew God was almighty and all-powerful and, and strong and, and might, and he could do anything, and he was always present and always there. And they knew he created everything, that he created them, and, 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 and therefore life mattered and life was precious, and, and their life was precious. But, but then he wanted to draw them closer and have a better relationship. And he says, here's how, how you can relate to God. You can relate to God as has your Father. In fact, in in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus is teaching his followers how to pray, and he says this. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy, precious be your name. Jesus is teaching us to see God, not as just some supreme being, not as just some cosmic uh, existence, not as just the creator, not as just as the Almighty. He doesn't say, come and, oh, holy, masterful, merciful, powerful. No, he says, come and say, our Father who's in heaven, holy and precious and wonderful is that name, Father. You know what is the most treasured name that I have? It's dad. I love being called a dad. I love it when my kids call me dad. My daughter just turned 13 on Friday. And uh, I know that there will be a day that my sweet princess, who is now a teenager, will stop calling me dad or daddy. And it may not be cool anymore or whatever. But man, there is nothing like your children calling you dad, father. There's, a, there's an intimacy. There's a relationship that matters. There's, a, there's an understanding that there is someone there to see and look after. In Matthew chapter 6, he goes on to say, in verse 26, Jesus is talking. He says, hey, I want you to, for a second, just, just look at the birds of the air. Just look at them. And today, you could go outside and you could look at these birds. You could hear them. And he says, they're not sowing or, or reaping or storing away in barns, and yet, your heavenly father feeds them. In other words, they're not hoarding toilet paper and hoarding more groceries than what they need and taking care of all of their stuff. Like they're not living in fear right now. These birds are a little carefree. They are there, and God is saying, Your heavenly father, he feeds them too. Are you, he asked this rhetorical question Are you not more valuable than they? Now some of you, you might be wrestling with that question. I don't I don't know that I I don't feel valuable at all. I don't feel worthwhile. I feel pretty worthless. I feel pretty cheap. I, I feel like I've let God down. I don't I don't feel like I've measured up. I don't feel like I I'm deserving. I if, if people only knew what was going on in my home, if, if people only knew the thoughts that I think, if they only knew the anger that I dealt with, or if they only knew the financial trouble I was in, if they only knew all the secrets of my heart, they, they wouldn't. I wouldn't be valuable. Friends, God knows those things, and He declares you valuable. You matter to God. See, Jesus' audience, They would these Jews in in, in this first century, they, they knew that God was the creator. They knew that God was almighty and all-powerful, and, and he created the world and the biology of these birds and the instincts in them to take care of and not worry or not fret, to just survive and to be taken care of and to enjoy life. And so they sing songs and they chirp and they build nests in my gutters, and they do all of these things, and they have no care. And Jesus is saying, listen, 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 you know that those are valuable, just like you know that you are valuable. So trust that your father is a good father. Now, when I talk about God being a good father and that he is the father, he is our father, our heavenly father, some of you, you're like, oh, I love that image because you had an awesome dad. You had a dad that provided. You had a dad that was kind. You had a dad that would rescue you when you got out of trouble. You had a dad that encouraged you, a dad that drove you places and was engaged in your life. You, you, you had a great dad. I, I, had a one, I have a wonderful dad. But some of you, that's not your story. You had a pretty crappy dad. He, he, there were a lot of words you could use for him. And it sucks. It's hard. It's painful to think about this. Can I let you know that your Heavenly Father, the defining nature of Him is loving. He created you and crafted you and cares about you. He is with you. He's not there to abuse you, to neglect you, to abandon you, to forsake you, or to try and teach you some painful lesson because you're too messed up and you've got to act better. He's not grading you based on your performance, whether you get good grades or excel in athletics or the the best musician in the band. He's not grading you. He is proud of you for who you are right there. He sees you. He knows you by name, and he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows what's in your heart and what's in your mind, and his love for you is steady, and it is unchanged, and he is a loving, heavenly Father. He, he, here's what all this means like god god is definitely the creator and he can recreate and restore anything god is god almighty and He he has the power to keep his promises no matter the situation or no matter what you're facing He's gonna keep his promises to you and to me But friends, he's also our father And and because of this what, what do we need to do in response? Okay, so all these things are true What do we need to do? I think here, here's what I want us to do this week I want to I encourage us. Let's begin or continue to develop an intimate friendship with God. You can develop an intimate, close friendship with God the Creator, God the Almighty, God your Heavenly Father. How how do you do that? Three things real quick. I think we need to start seeing God as a loving Father. He's a loving Father. He is recklessly pursuing and chasing you. We sang about him today in our worship time. These songs that we sang, he's not only reigning above it all, he's the way maker and his love for us is unending and it's chasing after you and it's chasing after me. And some of you right here, right now, your heart is starting to pace a little bit. There's something, you're sensing something within you. You don't know what it is. It's the love of God that's filling your life and your heart right here, right now because I want you to see God as a loving father. If we're going to develop an intimate friendship with God, we need to approach God through relationship, not rules. God wants to have a relationship with you. He's not waiting for you to step out of line and yell, gotcha, you did it wrong, and correct us. No, he's looking to celebrate you, to cherish you, to love you to make you know how proud he is of you. He wants you to know. He wants to give you this relationship. That's why while you were still messed up in your sin, Christ came to die for you. While we were still sinners, God showed his love for us and his desire for a relationship by sending Jesus to us. And number three, I think we've got to give God our whole heart. We can't hold anything back, keep anything away from him. We need to give God our whole heart. The the Old Testament says we should have no other gods before God. Let me ask you a question. Are there some things in your heart that you've given your whole heart to? And God is, maybe God has just been some add-on to your life. He's, maybe he has been that, that rabbit's foot, that lucky charm. He's been your get-out-of-jail-free card. He's been the vending machine. You go to him when you need him. You've had some casual relationship with God. And, I mean, I mean you may as well watch online today because <laughs> what else are you going to do, right? Like, may as well. Like, you may have had this casual faith of God. My hope and my prayer for you is that you will begin to develop a real, solid, intimate relationship with God. And in the process, you would see him not just as your creator. You would recognize and believe that he is indeed almighty, but that he is your loving heavenly father. John 14, verse 6 says, Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. In other words, the people who get to call God father are those who have placed their faith and their trust in Jesus. If you're here and you're watching and you have not given Jesus your whole heart, you haven't made a decision to put your faith and your trust in him, you're not believing in him, can I encourage you to put your faith in Jesus right where you're at? Just simply say, Jesus, I believe in you. God, I want to call you Father. I want to be your son and your daughter, and anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so maybe you're watching this right now and you've never given your life to God. You've been away from God, maybe, and, and you haven't really been following Him at all. But today you want to put your faith, you want to put your trust, you want to welcome the God of created of creation, the God Almighty, God our Heavenly Father, to be your God, to be the one who calls the shots in your life. If that's you, and and you want to do that right here, right now. Would you just uh, type in the chat room, say, I received Jesus, or I'm believing in God, or if you're watching on Church Online right now, you can click on the the the, the hand raise and says I'm raising my hand right now. I want to put my faith in Jesus. You've never done it, or man, you're way away from God, and you want to come back to Him. I believe people are making this decision right here, right now. No matter when you're watching, you go right ahead, and you just type in, I believe, I want to give my life to Jesus. let's pray church father. I pray right now for these that are making this commitment these that are having uh, Their nickname for you Finally changed to be god my father Lord you said that if we would put our faith in you our hope in you then you would meet us you would save us You would redeem us you would forgive us Lord and we would be saved and so father today those that that maybe have 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 been struggling they need you to redeem and restore something lord. I pray that you would help us acknowledge that you are the creator And you can make all things new lord. You are the god who is almighty and you have the power to keep your promise even when we Don't keep our promises and lord. You are the god Who is our father you are close you are nearby you are loving you are caring and you want to have a friendship with us Not about the rules, but about our relationship with you So, Lord, may we trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I wanna ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link, and when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, you're, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.